Hey, Tom. Hey, Tugger. Hey. Welcome back to The Undesirables. This is a dating podcast. Two guys. Shouldn't have a really... Yep. Yeah, fuck. Smooth like butter. Hey, Tom. Hey, Tucker. Hey, welcome to The Undesirables. This is a dating podcast from two guys that really shouldn't have a dating podcast. Tom, what's happening today? <laughs> that was masterfully done. So today, we're bringing back fan favorite, malignant tumor in... <laughs> News to me. <laughs> no, he's benign. Come on. Our roommate James. James, tell him about yourself. You big hunk of flesh. Wow. <laughs> hello, hello, listening audience. It's me again. <laughs> Everyone's favorite roommate. Everyone's favorite senior gay correspondent for the Undesirables podcast. For junior, but. Hey, <laughs> whatever you want to be. Uh, you're over the hill now. I'm over the hill. That's what's happened since we last spoke. Yeah. Big 3 oh. Yeah. Gay dead. <laughs> you can say it. We can't say it, though, I think. So just no, the right... he's gay dead. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, so just the right time to dive into what we're doing today. Yes. Tom. <laughs> yeah. Why so, are we here? That's a big question. But I, a while back, read this book called Tell Me What You Want by Dr. Justin LeMiller. Mm-hmm. And very interesting. It is the largest ever study done of American sexual fantasies ever, according to the book. I don't know if I, I've, I've never actually looked it up. Don't but fact check. I'm not going to fact, fact check. Yeah, we're not a fact check podcast. No. It's really interesting. I highly recommend everyone read it. You learn a lot of very cool stuff where they kind of deconstruct different sexual fantasies, talking about how common a lot of them are. They'll talk about things like what are the top three sexual fantasies that Americans have. One, I'll kissing give, dogs. I'll give. Okay, I was about to say I was going to give each of you guys one guess at the top one, but never mind. Flaw that answer in. We'll double yeah. it down. Right. <laughs> James, what do you think is the number one sexual fantasy that Americans have? I mean, how specific does it get? Or is it like a broad, like a pretty type specific? Of... Okay, give a guess. Um, give a guess. Give it a guess. Mm-hmm. Mike, give a guess. <laughs> I mean, would like like choking or something count? Yeah, it would count. It'd probably yeah. be under BDSM or something. But right. I mean, that feels pretty common. That kind of thing. Sticking with your kids and dogs thing. <laughs> I'm gonna not be incest. <laughs> I was thinking incest. <laughs> like, quick guess off the top of the dome. Body That's... sex. Body, Body sex. sex. Body okay. sex. Okay. It is, Good answer. Good answer. Is threesomes. <laughs> threesomes are the number one most common. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. Awesome. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Awesome. Chock full of facts like that. It's a very fun book. Highly recommend uh, a read. But one of the chapters in it, they basically use the research to figure out what do your sexual fantasies say about you. So it's a 15-question quiz. Basic demographic stuff mostly. And then it, using the research that they've gotten we can kind of figure out what are your sexual fantasies, generally speaking. So we're all going to take this quiz. I'm going to say this real quick. Mom, tune out, please. <laughs> please tune out. Also, if we've been on a date recently and you happen to be listening to this podcast, tune out. It's I'm too soon. i say this. Tucker's mom, tune back in. No. <laughs> mom, hey, me again. Tune out. <laughs> James' mom, why aren't you listening? What's going on? <laughs> She has things to do. Right. And we'll also say, if Let's this play. is strictly demographics-based, we're going to have some similar sexual fantasies. <laughs> yeah, we grew up all together. Yeah. yeah. Go back a couple episodes ago, maybe three, and that'll be James's intro episode. You want more me? We do not. <laughs> You're just here for the least money. All right. First question. How old are you? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Recently 30. I'm almost 30. I'm 29. I'm freshly 29. Nice. Youthful. All the same age. <laughs> you want to like, take a so, note of these? Or, uh... <laughs> no, I'm not going to take note of these. It almost makes more sense because they give an explanation after each question oh. of here's what your an answer would mean. It's not okay. like a BuzzFeed quiz. It's like okay. we are giving you So what does it mean that I'm 29? Basically, with age, younger adults are actually less likely to fantasize about Group sex, non-monogamy, novelty, and taboo. Because for young adults, any opportunity for sex is novel and exciting. Are we young adults? No, I think we're coming out of that. So we're actually getting to the point yeah. where you start getting... <laughs> yeah, James especially. Gay dead. Um, that's when you start getting into more uh, acceptance of fetishes, crave something fresh and new. People in long-term monogamous relationships especially start craving something new and kind of spice things up. This is This is... Also where it gets a little interesting. Sexual fantasies are more common among older than younger men. The older heterosexual guys 
in my sample were increasingly likely to report same-sex fantasies. However, women's sexual flexibility fantasies were unrelated to their age because women have more sexual flexibility than men to begin with, whereas men, some men, grow into their flexibility with age. Yeah. Do they mean in a, like, cultural way, like, women have more flexibility in their sexuality, or do you know? Based on what they reported in their findings right. earlier of like right. so whatever it's they not literally, saying what led to it but yeah, that's how they're literally just saying like yeah. how often do you fantasize about same sex pairings or whatever and then women were more likely to report and you can draw conclusions based on that I'm sure we can all figure out why that is and stuff yeah. culturally speaking but we know we all know we don't need to go <laughs> oh to boy oh boy wow Whoa. Jeff <laughs> <laughs> anyway so yeah, older people are actually more interested in crazier sex than younger people, which I think dispels a pretty common myth about, like, young people must be having crazy wild sex when actually young people are pretty stoked just to be in bed with another person, which for me, I'll say that checks out. Yeah, yeah. always stoked. Yeah, <laughs> always stoked. Just happy to be here, folks. <laughs> happy to be nominated. All right. Anyway. Uh, what is your sexual orientation? That's number two. Wow. <laughs> These feel personal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Tucker? S- straight. Straight? Queer gay man. There right. he is. <laughs> so this is where it gets interesting, too. What's that mean? I'll tell you what it means. Thank you for asking. Non-heterosexuals are more likely to fantasize about BDSM, non-monogamy, taboo acts, and gender bending. You're a fun person. Absolutely. <laughs> kind of the reason for this is that the common denominator for all these interests is that they involve breaking free of cultural rules and constraints for how we should act or behave. So basically, if you break one sexual taboo, it makes it less costly to violate other ones. Totally. So if you're already gay, right, it's way easier to say, I'm gay and into BDSM than it is to be like, oh, I'm straight, I'm the preacher's son. Also, I'm into hardcore BDSM. Hey. Yeah. Good, <laughs> no. Yeah. It was a good payload that family. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a religious affiliation? These all feel very important. <laughs> <right now. laughs> I've had a couple months, folks. I've had a life since day. Do you have a religious affiliation? Yeah. Tom, you go. You haven't answered one first. I'm an atheist. I technically do have an uh-huh. affiliation. I was raised Catholic. I am currently technically Catholic, but that's all for family reasons and nice other reasons. But my actual beliefs are, frankly, nihilism. So, sum that up. I personally do not have any religious belief. Sick. Agnostic. Nice. Huh. Agnostic, right? <laughs> I five me, but quietly because there's a mic. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> So basically, this one is interesting because it's going to get into a theme that will come up later a decent amount, too, which is that people who are religiously affiliated and who presumably had the most sexual constraints placed upon them tended to fantasize more about breaking free of them. So this is a thing that psychologists call reactance, and it's basically like reverse psychology. So the more that like a preacher would put on you, these are your beliefs and these are what you should or shouldn't be doing, you will actually likely do the opposite you'll try to break free of that Mm. but it starts getting a little more dicey when it comes to gender bending that is where reactance is not evident but they were more likely to fantasize about sexual flexibility or at least the men were so heterosexual guys who are religiously affiliated were more likely to have gay fantasies than men who lacked a religious affiliation which i think you can kind of see when you like i think there was a recent story i forget exactly the congressperson's name but there was the story of the... Steve Mnuchin. Steve Mnuchin. That's him. That's the treasure secretary. Nothing. What's the Mnuchin with you? Okay. <laughs> Saved. Uh, no, there was like a former congressperson who was like very anti-gay, mm. very Republican, who was caught in like Tijuana or whatever, like on film. Coachella with a man's hands down his pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, all right, if you're so anti-gay, then why are you... At a male strip club. Yeah. You know? I mean, that adds up. I think if you just look yeah. at the course of press in, in the church. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even one of the leaders of the conversion movement, all of that was started by gay men and things like that. Oh, like they were gay men who were not out yet? Or were in the... Tri- you know, it's just... There's a whole long history of... Yeah. Yeah. The worst... Oh, the most vehemently anti-gay. Yeah. 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 Being yeah. gay. Kind of self-hate's where... a thing. Yeah. Self-hate's a fucking Mike thing. Pence. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you Democrat or Republican? 
This sucks. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. We're all Dems. Yeah, we're all Dems. <laughs> so what's interesting here is that it's kind of similar to the religious thing where literally in the research they found that Republicans tended to have a more limited sexual repertoire than Democrats, and they are more likely to report engaging in traditional sexual behaviors like missionary whereas Democrats would experiment more with risky and more adventurous sexual activities, which kind of checks out in what they say and what they preach. Foot stuff. Yeah, but what are these conservative people not reporting? That's the question. That's a pretty good question. <laughs> <laughs> like Republicans, for instance, are more likely to fantasize about non-monogamous sex, like orgies, infidelity, swinging, cuckolding, as well as taboo activities like exhibitionism, voyeurism, and fetishism. So, like religion, you're basically getting the things that you preach against are the things you fantasize about. Yeah, right. Because there's always that eroticism around breaking taboos. Which means, y'all know Republicans. They kinky. They kinky, boy. So, Democrats, though, are more likely to fantasize about, and this is where we can actually start getting into, like, normal, regular, heteronormative sex. Just a just two guys missionary, being. no <laughs> eye contact. <laughs> Making babies, let's go. Four covers over you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Lights off, God on. Cross on the wall. Yep, you flip a switch that says God, and you just oh. on. <laughs> Democrats are more likely to fantasize about BDSM as well as intimacy and social bonding. So while Republicans would fantasize about novel sex acts because they have more restrictions, Democrats don't have those restrictions, so they fantasize about psychological needs, escaping self-awareness like BDSM, or just feeling validated and loved like intimacy. I just want to meet a nice guy. How do you guys feel <laughs> about how that checks out with you? We're all Dems here. No, I think that I get that. I mean, I go both ways in the sense I'm definitely very interested in exploring other forms of sex for sure. But that probably ties into my conservative upbringing. Ooh, um, sounds like my point. religious upbringing and all that. But you start out super Catholic, super Republican. The most hardline, right-wing conservative I knew. I was yeah. beating up kids. <laughs> That's true. Outside the school. <laughs> seventh grade. Bully. No, it was a little, a little smoother of a transition than that. But <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, we live in New York City, and I'm a gay man in New York. Like, I can go find anything. Right. Except it's a lot harder to find actually emotionally connected sex and, <gasps> like, having, like, relationship style thing like that do you find yourself fantasizing about that stuff not i don't feel like i fantasize it in a bedroom sense but i fantasize it in a like day-to-day sense sure Mm -hmm, like i seek that in a physical way but that's not yeah it's not what i'm jagging off to (laughs) (laughs) companionship what are you jagging off to these days (laughs) that's not the question (laughs) isn't it isn't it all these questions do you find (laughs) oh yeah yeah Do you find that it holds true about BDSM, intimacy, social bonding, etc.? I don't really fantasize about BDSM. You're not into it? No, no, not. I, I don't have the I don't have the urge to wear leather and get hit or hit someone. <laughs> we'll get to you later. <laughs> There's a question that's going to get to you later. <laughs> Tom, get the paddle. <laughs> oh well. well. <laughs> but but I do. I I don't. Yeah, I would say similar to James. I don't. I don't fantasize about like companionship when i'm spanking the old, <laughs> the old rigmarole spanking the beaver <laughs> no <laughs> actually no that, got, that was fun when i'm spanking the beaver i don't quite uh fantasize about holding hands but uh <laughs> wow but no i definitely that's definitely what i'm looking for on the day-to-day is intimacy? Yeah. Yeah. Same. Shocking from time. <laughs> yeah. I think the BDSM stuff checks out. I think it's like fun to fantasize about BDSM stuff. Yeah. And I'm pretty liberal. I think I don't want to die having not experienced BDSM in some way. Right. Yeah. Get yeah. the paddle. Yeah. Even if it's not something that you fantasize about often. Yeah. It still rates. Democrats are also more likely to have gender bending fantasies than Republicans. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. I guess. I mean, I- well, they said it's a chicken and egg case because right. do people it's with gender bending interests gravitate toward political parties or do does being in that party make you not want that fantasy? So right. It's hard to know. Uh, the next question. What was your first sexual experience like? Wait, define sexual experience. It says if a specific sex act took place during one's first very first sexual experience, be it kissing, oral sex, pe- penile vaginal intercourse or something else, people fantasize about more frequently as adults. So basically, whatever your first experience was, 
likely you're going to see that same type of thing pop up later in your fancies as you grow older. I'm going to go ahead and pop in here and say, uh, I'm not thinking about the women I had sex with first too often. Why not, James? It just seems very disrespectful to them. You know, I, I am who I am, and that's all that I am. So there's nothing that would hold true from your first sexual experience with women that carries forward? And sec- second question, there's... Would you do you think that your first sexual experience with men would that feed into your fantasies? There's a little of yes to both, but on the women, like it, I think sure that's still in my psyche of my sexual whatever, but I don't know if it's in a positive way, um, <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah, like, it's very interesting for you compared to us, yeah. But then my first experiences with man, I could see that. I mean, that was like with a friend, and I'm really comfortable with that. Correct me if I'm wrong on the interpretation of this question but do you find that the sex act that you participated in is something that you kind of still fantasize about be it like was it like a hand job blow job or what was happening and does that resonate like oh i'm interested in doing that more i mean i just I feel like it was so <laughs> <laughs> i feel like that so standard like my first experience was just yeah we were like in a bed and made out and then like had oral and like whatever mm-hmm. whatever like I don't know, that's pretty standard. Yeah. So it's, like, hard for me to say that, like, yeah, I fantasize about that. Like, that's just... Uh, or also, I guess I could see, like, I could see some truth to it, I guess. But I don't I don't really know how to answer that. Okay. Tucker? I was certainly a Christian when I first started a, a relationship and having sex. And so we did not have sex, but we did have sex. I get it. Sorry, Pastor. Please tune out. Uh <laughs> Should have told him that. I know. I should have. Sorry, I forgot. To, <laughs> forgot to brief the pastor. No, uh, but that said, yeah, I think that was like a lot of what would be considered like foreplay. Now, I still am super into foreplay, but and my and weirdly, my I mean, not weirdly. I think everyone's first time having sex was unpleasant, mm. and that has come around to being pleasant again but it's it was it, it unpleasant because of your christianity no just the whole thing was um, not n- it wasn't like bad it's not like weird unpleasant it was just like Pass I partner tune out <laughs> <laughs> no like it was just like it was my first time having sex and it was like horribly embarrassing right yeah that that's tucker winston <laughs> that's the, no i hear you of course i hear you the but like also but also that checks out <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, this for me doesn't really apply so much to the first time I had sex because I don't really remember it that well. Like I remember the time and place or whatever, but I don't remember exactly what we did other than we had sex. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But like the first sex act I was engaged in, I think that definitely plays a role because yeah. like it was like a couple handies. You know what's up? <laughs> I get it. I get still, it's like totally normal, but it's like the shrug and the <laughs> a couple handies. A couple Tom's handies. Just, Tom still loves a good handy. You know what I mean? A couple handies from kissing. You know, whatever. The handy man. Kind of. <laughs> it's still just like fun to, well, to fantasize man. about. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that stuff definitely plays into my current sexual life. Where yeah, your profile says hand jobs only, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> on all dating apps. Yeah, and on my Facebook, really, you know? and my yeah. LinkedIn. I should really change that. But I think the employers need to know what they're getting into. That's true. But yeah, I don't know. I think that I mean, even in like my current sexual life, when that stuff has played a role in my actual sex life, then that has been an elevation in hotness or whatever, because it does mark back to that first time. And it's like, oh, that's cool because it feels exciting still. Yeah. Because of that. Yeah. And to backtrack a little, now that I think about it some more, I think like it's absolutely true in the sense of not my actual first acts. But my first like turn-ons in like high school, middle school, and like young in the closet and all this stuff, like thinking about like hot moments with a friend, or like thinking yeah. about like the dude I was crushing on and like the grade above me that I had gym class with and shit like that, you know, mm-hmm. like all of those scenarios are still like really hot and like yeah. you know, a hanging out situation, like let's watch some porn and like I don't know. Yeah, or like <laughs> You know, again, yeah, the like locker, all that. I mean, it, you, I feel like you see that in a lot of porn and stuff and everything that ties into all the like locker room fantasy stuff. Oh, uh-huh. sure. Like, yeah, the teacher fantasy stuff, and that goes both hetero and whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's your first time, like, being like, ooh, what's a. <laughs> that, that makes sense. It'll, I get it in it'll that. carry sense. through, basically. Yeah. yeah. Like that, I'm still. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because they said that, like, their un- an unusual first experience as well will lead people more into unusual fantasies later like bdsm 
taboo, gender bending, emotionless sex and stuff because it gives you a broader outlook on what's acceptable. Mm. Whereas if you're just like super straight laced the whole time, then your fantasies tend to be a little more straight laced. Sure. Um, they said that one in eight people said their fantasy, their all time favorite fantasy, stemmed from an actual childhood sexual experience. Mm. Like, hell yeah. Go for it. Assuming right. that was a positive experience. Yeah, well, say, hell yeah, to all uh, childhood. I'll say that leads into the next question, and we can put this question out there. We don't have to answer it or whatever, but I will put it out there at least. Have you ever been the victim of a sex crime? Damn. It's heavy. It's heavy. Uh, basically, they were saying in, in the survey, one in ten men and two in five women had been uh, a victim of a sex crime, which is pretty astounding numbers. But yeah. And that could indicate harassment, sexual assault, indecent exposure, pretty much anything like that. And if you have been a victim of a sex crime, you're more likely, according to the research, to fantasize about BDSM, except for being in a dominance position. That's the exception. Emotional <laughs> and emotionless sex. Gender bending, sexual flexibility. Emotional and emotionless sex? Uh, as in <laughs> emotional in terms of like passion, romance, intimacy. Yeah. And emotionless. Fantasize about both at a greater rate. Okay. The reason why BDSM is because it's a distraction and an escape from self-awareness. Victims of a sex crime have a lingering psychological impact that's negative, but a lot of the fantasies are there as a coping mechanism, not as a, like a result. Like It's not like you're into this because of this. It's like this helps you cope, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. if that's how you cope, great. Yeah. Are you currently experiencing any sexual problems, Tucker? I mean, my problem is I'm not having sex. Yeah, same. James. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it again. This feels like it's attacking me. <laughs> <laughs> this is an intervention. This is an intervention. Sure. And some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, so people who have problems with sexual desire, arousal, orgasm, etc., are more likely to fantasize about BDSM because, again, it's something that blocks out feelings of anxiety and insecurity. And if you have sexual problems, you also might fantasize more about emotional sex because you want that intimacy and that closeness and that reassurance. Hmm. which I think is very interesting. But you will also be way less likely to fantasize about novelty, group sex, and non-monogamy because really you just want sex that is reassuring because you don't want something that is new that might break you out of the flow and then cause more problems. Wow. Hmm. That's that's interesting. I didn't expect it to go that way. Yeah. Honestly, but... I guess that makes sense. Also, I'm just going to go ahead and point out that Tom didn't answer. So I won't. <laughs> no, I answered the same way as Tucker. The problem is I'm not having sex. That's the problem. It's the only problem. When you were having sex, was there a problem? No, no problems. No problems reported, people. <laughs> Ladies, tune out. <laughs> a lot of problems. A lot of problems. <laughs> Ladies, tune back in. Sex God over here. What's up? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you got um, the biggest penis in the world. Thanks, dude. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate it. You've seen it, so you know. At least one of us is honest on here. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, I am. Uh, Do you have compulsive sexual urges? And I'll preface that compulsive is different than a high sex drive. If you want a good example, you can go back and listen to our episode with Maggie Dancel. Dr. Uh, Maggie Dancel. Yeah. Basically, like a high sex drive is just you want sex a lot, but a compulsive sex urge is something that you struggle to control. No. (laughs) Honestly, no. 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 Great. Me neither. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Just three healthy dudes. Yeah. Three healthy dudes. People with, would you consider yourself to have a high sex drive? Yeah. Really? Yeah. In ways. I think I also have a pretty high sex drive, but it's also higher, tied to my mental state sometimes as well. Mm. So that's not just come up in my previous relationships. What? Dude, you're in it. You're 100% right I'm now. here right now. What'd you say? <laughs> Nothing, dude, no, what'd you right say? On. I'm genuinely curious. I said that my mental... Listen to the podcast. <laughs> I said it's tied to my mental state sometimes because that's something that's come up in my previous relationships where if I'm in like a depressive period, uh, my sex drive will suffer. Interesting. And vice versa. Yeah. 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 I, it's come up in mine in most every relationship, the high sex drive issue. Wow. The issue? It's a high sex drive and there's often been some sort of barrier between being able to have sex... Like, be it most of the time, distance. Hey. (laughs) Ah, tune out, everyone. (laughs) Well, so basically, high sex drives, predictably, would mean you fantasize more about everything. But people with compulsive desires are really only likely to fantasize more about emotionless sex, taboo sex acts, and gender bending. Some folks legitimately have issues regulating and controlling their sexual urges, irrespective of their perceived morality of their sexual desires, 
and they may benefit from professional help in managing them. So I think it's worth mentioning that like if you have a compulsive sex drive, there is a lot that you can do for it because a lot of these people will feel a lot of sexual shame, mm. which you don't need to. You can just get help for it. But that's one of the things where fantasizing about those things led to more feelings of shame. Whereas when you have a high sex drive, you're just fantasizing more about the stuff you're already fantasizing about. Compulsive is tough. Again, listen to that episode with Dr. Maggie Dansell. It's too bad none of us are compulsive. <laughs> it's too bad. Damn shame. <laughs> Listeners, be honest with yourself. <laughs> uh, this is the ninth question. How do you feel about your current relationship? What relationship? What relationship? Oh, what relationship? This feels Next question. <laughs> so basically, if you're less happy in your relationship the more likely you are to fantasize about having an open or polyamorous relationship and committing infidelity, as well as both emotional and emotional sex. Basically just fantasizing a lot more about a lot more stuff outside of the relationship. What if you're lonely and need someone? (laughs) (laughs) In your fantasies, you kind of start losing sense of whether your partner actually cares. Um, So you're in an unhappy relationship, you're going to be fantasizing about some shit outside of the relationship and should probably figure out your relationship before one of those fantasies becomes real. We're none of us in a relationship, so it doesn't really matter about that one. Yeah. It's a bummer. But what is your attachment style? Mm. <laughs> Do you find that you're <laughs> insecure or secure in a relationship? And by insecure, I mean feeling like you need a lot of reassurance that your partner loves you and worrying that your partner might abandon you. Tom? I'm usually pretty secure in a relationship unless there's a reason to be insecure. I trust, That's an answer. As in, like, I trust wholly until there's something fishy going on, and then I start losing it, and then that's when I feel insecure in a relationship. But generally speaking, if I'm in a relationship, I don't feel insecure at all. Okay. Pretty confident. Who Would you like me to go first? I don't want to I think you read too much into it. I think you go first. I think I... A little bit. You're making this difficult, you shit. <laughs> Why? Because I said a little bit. Because you're being a dick. Would you like me to go real quick? No. Uh, I, um, I I have had issues with that in the past, but the, I would say over the past few years, it's gotten much better, And that, but that's been through active working. Great. Yeah. That's good. It's definitely something to work through. Yeah. James? I'm torn on this question for two reasons. One oh, being that I haven't, I've only had a, a limited amount of like, legit relationship experience oh yeah. right um so that obviously makes the feelings around that different um or my experiences in those relationships to being i don't know i i have a weird goes into some psyche shit all over the place like i got Hell a yeah. weird way of <laughs> of thinking i think i like i can i feel secure with somebody and mm-hmm. with them and whatever and you don't feel like they're going to abandon you or anything? Not any more than I do any other human being. <laughs> like, mm. sure, there's, like, an overarching, like, always fear of, like, oh, everyone hates me. Feels but that's not that a relate. That's not, like, a <laughs> sexual or romantic yeah. exclusive thing at all. And then, so in those situations, too, I usually feel, like, I exert, like, I exude. Um, I don't think I exude that. I think I very much so feel people's loves and I'm a very like lovey person and there's like whatever so I think it's a very internalized thing for me so I don't Mm. know I'm just torn on it a couple different ways I think the relationships I have had how short they may be or whatever I definitely exude confidence and um like security security yeah Yeah. whatever the word was (laughs) yeah but Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean there isn't an absolute layer in there somewhere well, this will be an interesting one then because so the more insecure people said they were, the less likely they were to fantasize about group sex and non-monogamy and the more likely they were to fantasize about BDSM, sexual novelty, and romance. I don't know romance. how this checks out with you guys. I think it checks out for me in the same way of like I oddly go both directions in limited capacities. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I think I feel pretty confident in relationships generally. So I do fantasize more about non-monogamy and group sex mm-hmm. than I do about sexual novelty. Party. You know? Yeah. No, no party. Well, actually, I guess it is a party. Yeah, you want a party. Yeah, it is a party, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not something I'm immediately interested in, but in the course of a relationship, that would probably be something that we would get to. Non-monogamy. Yeah. Not, who knows what form that would be, yeah. But yeah. Group sex. No, Tom, <laughs> you are not invited. Just send me a Facebook invite. We'll make an event. 
You'll see the event. You won't be invited to the event. It's impossible. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, it's interesting. And, I mean, that also, like, when I think about uh, previous examples of this cropping up, I think definitely it would check out that the people who are more insecure in relationships are definitely the ones who are less likely to also not even just fantasize about non-monogamy, but be comfortable with non-monogamy. Because mm-hmm. if you're not secure, you're obviously not going to want your partner going off and doing right. things with other people. That just doesn't make any sense. Uh... <laughs> Is that a tea kettle? Well, I think it depends on, <laughs> and I should have asked this question at the beginning, like, if the, within the relationship context, if they're talking about the, like, relationship and the fact of like feelings and emotion and love and your like actual whatever with the person yeah. versus like your sexual relationship and how well that's going and how, right. conf- how confident you are in the bed having being with the person and all that stuff like two that'd be yeah two different aspects i think there's a, a difference between like being entirely insecure and also being able to like know I guess insecurity and trusting would be different things. Right. That's kind of amazing. Well, I mean, they're also still linked, though. Yeah. Because if you're insecure, yeah. it's harder to trust. Right. But I think that, yeah, it's, it's a situation, though, where I think I, I'm... Yeah. I mean, they basically just said, like, people who are insecure find it difficult to enjoy sex, including the thought of it, unless they feel desired and validated. And anxious folks might actively include calming emotional content in their fantasies as a way to help them relax and get in the mood. Which I think is interesting. Okay, I'm getting that. <laughs> oh, I'm feeling that. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's where it is. Uh, question 11 is, are you someone who is organized and cares about the details? What does that mean? In a relationship sense or in general? Uh, I think mean? in general. It's a uh, personality trait of conscientiousness, detail-oriented, and organized in their everyday life. Yeah, so that's not necessarily a relationship You guys consider yourself organized? No. <laughs> Tap, tap, tap. <laughs> it looked like you were in front of Congress. <laughs> That's insane. That's insane. We should keep going. We should yeah, keep going. Should All right. going. There's a fire alarm going off. Maybe I'll keep that in. Maybe I won't. New Talk York, about- baby. <laughs> you think you're organized? Uh, I think I'm in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I think I am. Yeah. I, I can't get too disheveled or I really feel it. It's also worth noting I literally do event organization for a living. So yeah, you organize kind of in a weird way. Yeah, it's kind <laughs> of ironic. I'm a weird person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I'm kind of in the middle as well. Like in a lot of aspects, I'm extremely organized. And in some aspects, I'm messy as a, as a poop on a, on a stick. I don't know. Wow. So <laughs> basically, the more organized you are, the more conscientious you are, the more you're going to be linked to having novelty fantasies, especially fantasies that have novel settings. So if you're a conscientious person, you're probably the, your fantasy is also going to be a little more elaborate because you want to organize even your fantasies a little bit. Oh. Yeah. Like you're sitting there thinking, okay, well, I'm going to be in this setting with this person at this time. This is what's going on. This is what we're doing. Whereas a person who is a little messier might be less likely to construct all the details that are just kind of have a tunnel vision sort of effect, I guess. Okay. And they're also less likely, organized people are less likely to fantasize about BDSM, taboo, gender bending, all that stuff, because they like to follow the rules. Mm-hmm. They find comfort in the rules, and those are all breaking the rules. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting. That's one of those situations where, unlike Republican, Democrat, or religious, non-religious, if you're organized, you care about details, you probably actually, that tracks with your sexual fantasies, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Question 12. Would you consider yourself outgoing and sociable? I got this. Yeah, dude. Nah. <laughs> James? I swear, I'm, I'm a weird balance of... Maybe I just can't make decisions. I don't know. But um, I am like an overtly social per- person in a lot of ways, kind of like yeah. we talked on our, my last episode. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm the one that's out and about the most and all this kind of out stuff. About. Uh, like frankly right Um, but in so many situations like cripplingly unable to walk up to somebody and say hello Mm. so you got a nice mix of extroversion and social anxiety yeah that anxiety keeps me in check (laughs) (laughs) yes it does I'll go out there but I'm gonna cower in the corner when I need to you know what I mean (laughs) Um, I also would consider myself pretty outgoing and sociable um, generally speaking this is really a question about extroversion, which I think is fun. So extroversion is linked to more fancy about group sex, consensual non-monogamy, and infidelity. 
They basically say that being socially confident makes it easier to imagine meeting and seducing new partners. You would have more novelty fantasies, less likely to have taboo fantasies, fewer fantasies about intimacy and social bonding, and more about being validated. So extroverts had more fantasies about being praised for their sexual skills and performance. So it's kind of a lot about their own ego, which yeah. is fun. <laughs> yeah. Basically, I think the choice quote that I underlined is, I guess the way to think about this is that extroverts don't just want to be seen as the life of the party. They want to also be seen as the life of the sex party. That makes sense. Hell yeah. Interesting. Do you find yourself, Tucker, thinking about non-monogamy group sex type stuff? Nah. Yeah. Not really. Not, not, it's nothing I'm interested in at this point. You're the most introverted. Mm-hmm. I've partaken, so. <laughs> I've done it. And no, but honestly, it, it surprised me. <laughs> Like, I've had, like, a very public setting, like, sexual experience kind of thing. Yeah. Um, with a lot, of, with multiple people. It was surprising to me how much I was into it in the sense of I am not the person that oh. can be an extrovert in a gay bar normally. Yeah. And then in this setting, though, <laughs> when it was funny. still a gay bar <laughs> and it's still, the like, I was very much so, like, alleviated of that anxiety because it's, like, literally... What do I got to hide? Yeah. <laughs> Ain't hiding nothing at this moment. So um, it's kind of similar to how they consider like BDSM is it removes the anxiety because you're way less self conscious. So in a group sex environment, you're just one of the many. Yeah. There's not so much focus on you, so you're able to just kind of like put your mind at ease. Yeah, that's yeah. nice. Group sex, everyone, try it out. And then when your mind's at ease, you do get attention. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how that works. <laughs> All right. 13, how much do you care about other people's problems? A lot. Yeah. I think a lot. So basically, the more agreeable people were, the less likely they were to have fantasies about infidelity, BDSM, emotional sex, and taboo, especially any taboo acts that were non-consensual, like sex with children and Ooh. animals. Jesus. All right. Turn around, confirm You're the nine. science. Yeah, confirm or deny. Confirm or deny. You're an agreeable I person. <laughs> Which one makes me not have sex with kids? <laughs> Trying to see how to trap you here. <laughs> Chris Hansen, come in. <laughs> so basically, agreeable people do not find it arousing to fantasize about sex acts in which someone would get hurt, in the case or in the case of BDSM, where there might be pain involved, even if that pain is desired. Yeah. Decker. Yeah. 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 Reoccurring theme. Yeah. That checks out. Maybe less than I would think you for me. I don't know. Like I can I in a sexual setting, I like being a pleaser so in that sense if someone was really into that i could get into it to a degree but like i'm not gonna fantasize about that myself yeah. you know yeah yeah i would even consider myself to be someone who fantasizes about like choking somebody or whatever but if requested yeah i'll do that i'll just say it's got its moments <laughs> <laughs> so also agreeable people are more likely to fantasize about novel sex acts including one specific form of consensual non-monogamy, which is swinging. Yeah. Not currently, but that is when, if if we were in a long relationship, that would be something that I'd be open to. You'd swing. I think so. James, you swing? Yeah, sure. <laughs> more right now. I don't know. Like, I'm in the non-monogamy and stuff, so. Yeah. I'd be down for swinging. I'm more hesitant right now to like fully commit to him. Yeah. Right? I'm not really interested in just having sex with a person. <laughs> yeah. Basically, right. the conclusion of this one is agreeable people fantasize about activities that they think will be mutually enjoyable, whereas yeah. people who are less agreeable, obviously, that just doesn't play as much of a role. You're yeah. kind of interested in numero uno, the big cheese, this guy. I My anxieties and second-guessing of my worth <laughs> will not allow yeah i have to know the other person's enjoying it for me to enjoy it like deep down so mm-hmm. yeah same wait does that disagree with what it just said no i think that lines no. up you fantasize about activities that are mutually enjoyable if you're extroverted no that was the previous question oh my god continue <laughs> i'm so sorry get in the game dude get i'm really game. actually sorry <laughs> <laughs> you're jim tucker <laughs> Uh, question 14 is, how well do you handle stress? <laughs> <laughs> are you in the game or are you not in the game? This one is about neuroticism. <laughs> neuroticism is a personality trait characterized by emotional instability. Neurotics don't cope with stress very well. Tucker, would you consider yourself a neurotic person? Yeah. 
I oh, no. think I do fine <laughs> with it, though. <laughs> As evidenced by this moment now. I think I can... I, when I need... I can handle a stressful situation. <laughs> Let them know, Tuck. Let them know. Let the people know. <laughs> James? This sucks. I'm being attacked. <laughs> They're just questions. I didn't pick them. I'm just but you point them. and laugh at me. I'm just reading them. Um, split hairs a little bit, but I think this is one I can actually, I think I handle stress really well for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, that being different than anxiety things like situations causing stress that I can deal with, but, um, just but anxiety. normal random anxiety yeah. for no damn good reason. That's what gets me. <laughs> you have a serious of neurotic. I don't think so. No. Yeah. Consider myself a lot of things, but <laughs> I don't yeah. know if neurotic's one for me. Yeah. Same. I don't, I don't think I'd be considered neurotic. I got some other stuff going on. <laughs> I don't think it's neurotic. I'm not sure I fully know what neurotic means. Why, it's what a personality trait characterized by emotional instability. Oh. No. I think I'm pretty emotionally stable. I'm just They don't cope with stress very with well. And have negative <laughs> reactions to stress. Yeah. So I, I don't think you're neurotic. No. I think you, you get flummoxed only when things start to really close in. So neurotic people tend to play it safe with sexual fantasies. Uh, they don't fantasize as much about group sex, non-monogamy, or novelty. They don't want new activities or new partners as much because they don't know what they're getting. They prefer more predictable sexual interactions that follow an established script. Guys? 7 p.m. Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Scheduled sex. That's a thing. Uh, I'm into that, actually. <laughs> I think that could be fun. Yeah, uh, I like knowing what's coming, you know. <laughs> but what neurotics do fantasize about are BDSM and passion and romance. How do you guys feel that checks out? I would say I'm, I, judging by that definition of neurotic, I think emotionally I'm pretty all right. Yeah. And that said, I am not super into just like clocking in and having sex and then clocking out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're in a novelty. You're a novel guy when it comes to the sexual boudoir. No, I don't think that's what you're saying. Yeah. But, no. you, but you like some novelty though, right? Because uh, you like trying new things. Yeah. You like making up little games and doing your little... yeah. yeah. Whatever it is you're doing there. All right, this is the last question. Uh-oh. It's the big one. What are your sexual fans? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me your sexual fans. I give up. Um, this is, how do you feel about yourself? Oh, oh, oh. Self-esteem question. Now I know I'm being attacked. <laughs> James, <laughs> I think only you can answer this one. <laughs> Tom was ready. I think I've got pretty good self-esteem, personally. Good. I think I feel pretty good about myself. There's certainly always things to work on or whatever, but generally speaking, I'd report, I mean, large fluctuations based on the day or whatever, but like, I think generally my baseline is a little higher than average. I'll say, I think my self-esteem in the majority of ways is better than it's ever been in my life. Mm -hmm. Great. Sure. Um, So I think I'd... Yeah, hell yeah. Um... So I think I have a lot of self-esteem overall, but, like, you know, shit lingers. <laughs> shit lingers. Flush, dude. Flush. You know, oh, this guy's roommate intervention. <laughs> no, I, the yeah. Handle now. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And especially, and I think especially, to be completely candid, on the sexual fantasies front and all that kind of stuff, you know, I'm still getting there on certain things of, uh, I mean... Trying to date the sex you're not sexually attracted to and have sex with them for a while can do some things to your head when it yeah. comes to uh, how well sex goes. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So I think I have a good self esteem now. But you know, the demons are there. <laughs> Christ, literally, <Tucker>. please. <laughs> I think uh, I feel pretty solid about myself in terms of like when I when I enter a room how people are perceiving the image of me. But I think emotionally I'm pretty tired of myself on most days. <laughs> <laughs> I think, That's uh, a pretty good answer. <laughs> I think uh, you, you guys have seen me come back from dates when I'm like, oh, I blinked twice and she noticed and that's never going to happen again. What did you say it, the other day? You biffed it. <laughs> biffed it. Yeah, you yeah. Came, came in the door, threw down your keys, and you just go, I biffed it. <laughs> Followed by a 15-minute description of the date that sounded Sounds quite lovely. Good. Like, I, sounded quite fine. I get very socially anxious about how I'm being, my actions are being perceived. Yeah. 
I think I'm a golden goose physically. <laughs> <laughs> but your self-esteem, would you say? I don't think I beat myself up too much. Yeah, I think I'm. I would range on the high of that. Uh, that, but also pointing hard at if I biffed a social situation, I'll think about it for days and days and yeah. lose sleep and probably legitimately lose hair. <laughs> that's true I have seen you with ball spots yeah, yeah. I get that I think it's similar in that like, my self esteem's high and then it's uh, well when it goes low watch out <laughs> you're in for a dip so basically people with low self esteem are more likely to fantasize about passion and romance and taboo because um, they want reassurance and validation they're a lot like neurotic and insecure people yeah um, if you're lacking self confidence you're probably going to want some more unusual sexual desires due to the difficulty starting the kinds of sexual relationships you want. Like a low self-esteem, you're going to probably fantasize a little bit more about BDSM um, because BDSM, as kind of mentioned before, you can kind of remove yourself from the situation a little easier. So if you have a low self-esteem, having like a blindfold on, you know, like you're tied up or whatever, you're not having to think about yourself as much. Like, you have a blindfold like you can't see yourself so you're not perceiving what the other person perceives so that kind of helps you out um and like note on bdsm like people who practice bdsm are just as if not more psychologically healthy than the rest of the population so i think that's like interesting little fact yeah that is interesting world's hard we all handle it different ways (laughs) yeah (laughs) um no and i think that checks out and it makes sense too of i'm still not super into bdsm or whatever but like i feel like one way i be gained self-esteem through my coming out process and figuring out my stuff um, was uh, non-emotional hookup sex, like grinder hookup kind of stuff. I mean, that's what made me feel more confident was mm-hmm. just do- finally one day after like a year of thinking about it, just fucking doing it and doing it quite a few times. <laughs> that super checks out also because the people who had BDSM fantasies and who had acted on them had higher self-esteem and fewer feelings of guilt and shame than the people who had not yet acted on their fantasies. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a parallel. They literally call out a parallel between homosexuality and mental health for that. Because just as you said, like if you aren't out yet and about your sexual orientation, you're probably going to have a high degree of internalized homophobia and self-hatred. So the more self-hatred you have, the more your mental health is going to suffer. But if you actually learn to love yourself, you come out, you become gay, you become accepted in the gay community, then you're going to feel way better. Way better. If you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love anybody else? Can I get an amen? (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Checks out. Those are the 15 questions. They do mention that your needs can be reshaped and reset based on life circumstances. It's you know, it's impossible to look at any of these traits in isolation and then figure out all of your sexual fantasies. But if you kind of take what we just did and then you, you know, you look at, well, this guy is neurotic, caring, you know, a certain age, whatever, you can probably gauge, well, he's going to be into these type of things. Cool. What's the name of this book? Tell Me What You Want by Dr. Justin LaMiller. Fun. It's a fun book. Highly recommend reading it. Take the quiz. Maybe... I, I asked a date to do this quiz before we went on the date, and I'll tell you this: it was a catastrophe. That's kind of a lo- that's the lost episode for you, folks. Yeah. <laughs> I texted Yikes. about it, and I was like, "There's a sexual quiz I'd like us to take on this date," and it didn't go over well. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes that checks out. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're too extroverted. How's your self esteem? It's going lower. It's going lower every moment. on. So how do you guys feel about the quiz? Do you feel like it matched up generally with... I mean, I think in general of like most of these personality type quizzes and things that it's like, yeah, sure. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. I get a lot of it. Obviously, it's not perfect. Obviously, some of it's like, that's confusing or that like I felt like I was going two different directions right. a lot of the time mm-hmm. and things like that. But yeah, you know, especially with the conclusion of like, of course, you got to think about a big picture and whatever. Yeah. You get enough of those splashes together, you end up with like somewhat of a picture you can see so yeah yeah Yeah. i think uh for me it uh i agree with some of it and i disagree with some of it for myself but i think most of it stems from probably that first question of being 29 and it's like you're starting to be like i'm gonna have some fun yeah so i just i think it's transition age yeah it's i'm in the phase of i want to have fun but i don't necessarily want 
to do it outside of a relationship, mm-hmm. yeah. which is, that's, so it's weird. I think a lot of that pigeonholed me a little bit more probably conservatively than I feel, but three years ago, I'm sure it was right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of it checks out, especially when you read a little more fully all the passages, because I, I underlined a lot of stuff, and then I didn't want to just sit here and read the whole book. There are enough quotes that I read, but it's, yeah, when you get down to the nitty gritty, it's it's pretty interesting. For myself, I feel like it checks out decently because, like you said, James, like a lot of it's just very, when you, we come down to a lot of them are just like, they feel like no-brainer logical things, but at the same time, I think it is worth pointing out a lot of those no-brainer logical things. Yeah. Because the thing they do in the book is they do a great job of is just showing you how commonplace some of these fantasies are. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, like you'd think, well, BDSM, that's just for like, a small minority of people and it's like actually most people kind of like like the majority of people would fantasize about a lot of this stuff right like you think oh like the only people who are interested in like threesomes and group sex are like crazy college kids and it's like college kids are probably not even fans of it they don't really give a shit college kids are just like oh my god I'm naked around a girl (laughs) (laughs) yeah if you can't love myself how you can love someone straight man say amen amen Thank you. <laughs> I don't want to gender anything. <laughs> James, do you have anything to plug? Um, well, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no. You can uh, you can uh, find me out on the dance floor. You can find me on. Uh, you can find me. Uh, think I'm. You, you, you think my voice me? is cute? Um, you know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> email, fantasize about me. Email <laughs> us, and then we'll hook you up. You can find me at Mr. Thomasella Tucker. Your at Tucker Wins on Twitter, don't follow me on Instagram. <laughs> Some of you have started following me and I request you stop. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us at Undesirables Pod. Um, if you like what you hear, leave us a five star review on iTunes. It really helps out. And uh, tune in for the next two episodes because it's, it's closing out. It's closing out, baby. They're bangers. <laughs> I'm going to keep over promising. Lower, lower, lower the hype. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go lower these boys' self-esteem a little bit. <laughs> try and come back and check. Don't I'm worry, everybody. See you try. <laughs>